0: Foundations,
1: And again, if you really have a massive issue that's got to be dealt with and they cannot adjudicate at a local level, then it goes to the Sanhedrin, the Great Sanhedrin or the Supreme Court, which is in Jerusalem, to adjudicate the matter. Mm.
0: Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. We've been learning about the different religious groups within ancient Judaism at the time of Christ. Religious denominations, if you will. There was another group as well that we'll learn about this time that wasn't supposed to be about a particular religious group or ideology, but was rather supposed to ensure justice throughout Israel, a court of law. We're going to learn about the Sanhedrin.
1: An interesting group, as you say, Then they weren't a particular denomination per se, but they were fundamental to the running and functioning of the nation as a whole, the Jewish nation. We don't know a whole lot about them, but their job was really about implementing justice, the rule of law, basically. Even though like the scribes were the teachers of the law, the actual implementation of laws had to go through the Sanhedrin.
0: And this is right back to uh, the time of Moses, where they're first Mm. established, back in Numbers 11. Verses 16 and 17, we read, The Lord therefore said to Moses, Gather for me 70 men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and their officers, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them stand there with you. Then I'll come down and speak with you there, and I'll take the Spirit who is upon you, and will put him upon them, and they'll bear the burden of the people with you, so that you'll not bear it alone.
1: I like where it says there that when he talks about, I'm going to take the Spirit that's upon you, and I will put him Upon them. Yeah. In other words, the spirit that he's talking about is the spirit of God. It's the, yeah. it's God, the Holy Spirit. That's right. He's him. He's an entity. It's not just a spirit. Mm-hmm. It's him. It's um, what shall we say? It's like a, a bit of a flag for the third person of the Godhead, really. Exactly. Okay, so back to the Sanhedrin. The name uh, comes from a Greek word that means an assembly or a council. And the concept of this Sanhedrin, as you quoted from Numbers 11, is going back to the days uh, of Moses. And the purpose of this group originally was to kind of lift the burden from Moses' shoulders and share it with the elders of the nation because every day with that many people, there would be these legal matters that would arise and Moses would sit from dawn to dusk mm, yeah. adjudicating in all these matters and we thought, no man can do that. So yeah. you had these, like a, a Supreme Court almost. Mm-hmm. And depending on the severity, you'd have lower courts, lesser courts. Uh, and so, as you know, when they went into the land and they conquered it and they divided into the 12 tribes, uh, they took possession of the land for, you know, the most part. And as a matter of course, towns and villages grew. And then where there are people there are issues. (laughs) I know, shocking, I know. (laughs) And wherever these issues erupted, they needed to have a court system in place. And this was how the Sanhedrin would have these smaller or lesser little courts. And then, of course, as Jerusalem became the capital and the temple was built, then you had the Great Sanhedrin. So the Great Sanhedrin was kind of like the Supreme Court.
0: So you've got, uh, I know there's like 120 men as heads of families. They were I guess these local court, these local Sanhedrins, um, and then obviously smaller ones for the the smaller communities.
1: Yeah, exactly. So again, you've got these little courts. In small communities, you're going to have a little local court with your local leaders. Mm -hmm. And again, if you really have a massive issue that's got to be dealt with and they cannot adjudicate at a local level, then it goes to the Sanhedrin, the great Sanhedrin or the Supreme Court, which is in Jerusalem to adjudicate the matter. Mm. And so you, you had all of these elevated people, elders, they were wise, they understood the religious significance and worked with the other religious leaders and they would adjudicate the law.
0: So how often would the Sanhedrin get together to meet?
1: This happened absolutely every day except for festivals and uh, Shabbat, which can I just say was a lot which means Mm. I think the Sanhedrin got a lot of days off (laughs) (laughs) because there are so many feasts and sabbaths. And uh, the authority of the great Sanhedrin superseded all of the local Sanhedrin so they could overrule, just like a Supreme Court, I guess. If a matter arose that involved the king, a local Sanhedrin could never adjudicate or hear on it. It would have to go to the Sanhedrin. They were the only ones who had the power to deal with the king. So the Great Sanhedrin were also the only ones that had authority to extend the boundaries of the temple and also the city limits of Jerusalem. So this was a very powerful group. These Mm. guys had a lot of power to wield.
0: Now, I know that the Sanhedrin was also involved in the Hebrew calendar, ratifying the Hebrew calendar. So I guess that would have been the Great Sanhedrin that was doing that? Yeah, it was
1: actually. And coincidentally, that was the very last binding rule made by the Sanhedrin and that was in the year 358, when the Hebrew calendar was ratified and accepted. Now, the Hebrew calendar is considered to be so accurate that it never needs to be adjusted, unlike the Julian uh, calendar, which was the Roman calendar, or the Gregorian calendar, the Christian calendars, they need to be adjusted. So the Julian calendar is 365 days long, but every four years they add a day which is the leap year. Yep. The Gregorian calendar is pretty much the same, but they don't add a day when the year is divisible by 100, but by 400, apparently. It's a bit complicated to me. It's complicated. really complicated. <laughs> yeah. The Hebrew calendar is based on both the sun and the moon, whereas the Muslim calendar is based on only the moon. And the Julian and Gregorian calendars are based only on the sun. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. So it's pretty
0: cool that the Hebrew calendar is so accurate. I mean, if it doesn't need to ever be, you know, have these leap years and yeah. extra days added, that's very cool. Yeah.
1: Doesn't it make sense? You kind of think, oh, gee, we're always fiddling with the calendar. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to just have a calendar that doesn't need mm. moving or shifting or adjusting? Yeah. There is one, and yes. it's the Hebrew calendar. That's cool. But 358 AD is also the year that the Romans dissolved the Sanhedrin. Undermining and refusing the Jewish leaders of the nation from deliberating and deciding on legal matters for their own people. Mm. So, the year 358.
0: Quite significant. Yeah,
1: they say they made it magnificent. Uh, contribution with their calendar yep. and then the Romans cut them off and said no more.
0: Wow. Yeah, pretty well, sad. Well, of course, the other thing as far as legal matters go, I mean, obviously in the New Covenant, we read about the Sanhedrin, but it's really the illegal trial of Jesus because you know the Sanhedrin was very much involved on that night. I mean, the fact that it was a trial at night was illegal in itself, yep. but there was so much that took place over that 12-hour period. Uh, that was illegal in the way that they conducted themselves.
1: Yeah, for, the, for these guys were the absolute supreme authority of the law, and they broke every single one of them mm. when it came to Jesus' trial. I don't know. Maybe that was the reason why eventually they got cut off. Maybe that was God's judgment. You know, they mm. did everything that, was, that contravened God's laws during Jesus' trial and the abuse he experienced. Oh, everything, every single thing about it was illegal. So, yeah. There is debate about whether or not the Sanhedrin has been re-established in Israel or not today. Okay. There have been a few efforts to restart it unsuccessfully in the past. It does appear, however, that maybe, possibly, they might have finally succeeded in reconvening a Sanhedrin. Uh, I don't know, I don't think that it's recognised officially or whether it's been given, a okay, well, maybe for your matters of religion, we'll acknowledge that you can mm. talk to people, but... In an official capacity, no, the Sanhedrin is not recognised. But there is actually a website for the Sanhedrin. It's called thesanhedrin.org. It exists and there's information about who they are and how they've re-established this ancient Jewish council. Today they have 71 members, not 70, to ensure that they never end up in a tie. Now you can check it out for yourself if you're interested. Again, thesanhedrin.org. It's pretty simple. In, in fact, if you look at it, it's pretty boring. There's nothing <laughs> fancy about this site again, and I don't think it's officially recognized at all. I don't think so. Mm, could be. But it is interesting to me that the Temple Institute has reestablished everything that they need yes. to rebuild a temple. Mm. The priesthood is actually in training all of their garments. Everything is all prepared. Now you have the reformation of the Sanhedrin, official or not, Mm. but it
0: is really fascinating. Yes, it certainly is. Well, that brings today's program to a close, but a reminder that you can listen back to today's episode and others that you might have missed via our website or your favourite podcast app. Just search Foundations with Mandy and Robbo to find it. We invite you to join us again next time, and if there's a topic that you'd like us to discuss on a future program, I encourage you to get in touch with us via the website vision.org.au forward slash foundations.